going to start with a nice word on Parshas Kisoi from the Imre Emes. He says on the Pusik, Viyarid Mitzrayimu, Vayugar Shom B'msayim Ot. Right? Eden came down to Mitzrayim and they were, and, and, and they lived there with a, with a small amount. So he says, L'chori, the Pusik should have said, Viyarid Mitzrayimu B'msayim Ot, Vayugar Shom. Right? They lived in Mitzrayim with a lot of people actually. They came down with a few people. So they came down with few and they lived there. So he brings the Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi says is one of the Amiruim, one of the Chachomim, saw a shield that was built, a beautiful big shield. And he, he said the Pusik, They forgot about Hashem and they built beautiful buildings. So it seemed that he wasn't happy with the fact that he saw such a beautiful shield uh, being built. An explanation is that when Eden are Angulis, Eden are between the Goyim, there's a certain amount of uh, idolkite, a certain amount of Tznias, how we present ourselves. If you're going to do something that's too, uh, you know, t- getting too much attention between the Goyim and your Angulis, then it's, it's not appropriate. You have to, to, have to be low profile and low key. And this is the old mistake that people have made over the generations of becoming too comfortable uh, between, between Goyim and presenting themselves in a way that made the Goyim very jealous and very. You know, and, and, and they were basically not acknowledging their position, where they are, and who they're living with, and how things have, have to be presented. So he says, the Vayishkach, even Achulis, it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. He is supposed to have a, a low-key uh, uh, kind of life. So he says, Vayugar Shom B'msayim Ha'ot, Yankavivini came to Mitzrayim, Vayarid Mitzrayim, Vayugar Shom B'msayim Ha'ot. He lived in Mitzrayim in, in a very small and, and low-profile low way. It wasn't that he had few children. There was a lot of people later there in that time. But it was done in a way with a symptom, with, with a, a certain approach that wouldn't, you know, that, that's um, the, the way it's supposed to be when, when, when you're in Gulas. So, you know, sometimes we don't realize where we are and sometimes people don't feel that they're in Gulas. And sometimes even when, you're, when we live between Goyim, we feel like, okay, so we're settled, it's America, you know. And you always have to know where you really are. Everyone has their... Gulas and their Geilim. I believe one day we'll know what it really means to be, to be a, a free nation, and be able to do things the way Hashem wants us to do, and have shield the way Hashem wants us to do, and to present Yiddishkeit the way Hashem wants us to do, and all that. Each person in their own home, right? Technically, that's the case. Now, now I'm for sure at home, right? Now I'm not in Gulas. Now I'm in my own house. Now I should be able to do and say whatever I want. I should be able to present myself however I want. I should be able to express myself however I want. I should be able to show uh, whatever I want to do and however I feel. It should all be open cards, right? There's something about understanding that there's other people here who might not take well something that you want to do or say. Now, I know it's a sensitive topic, and I'm going to be talking about it uh, now more at length. Um, but this is, but this is something that not everyone likes to acknowledge. Um, you know how to take seriously the fact that there are other people here. It's not all about you. Now, sometimes it gets confusing because you're living with somebody who wants you to be open and honest and transparent. Um, so it almost looks like it's being invited, and sometimes you have to tell someone, no, it's not good for you, it's not good for me. If I'm always going to tell you how I feel, then you might, you might get offended by that, for example. If I always tell you what I want to do, you might not like it, you might look down at me. The, the different things you just have to realize that, you know, th- there's, a way to, there's a way to live life. It doesn't always have to be in such an open, and such an outgoing, and such an obnoxious way of, this is who I am, everyone, everyone should seem to be okay with it. It doesn't work that way in real life. So just like the Goyim might mind seeing that you have a big, beautiful shield. Well, what do you care? I didn't ask you for money. It's not your tax money. I'm doing my own thing. It doesn't work like that, right? So on some level, I know it's only on some level, um, there's, there's a way to live even with your closest people 
in a certain reserved way of understanding that not everything will always be taken well. I think that's what it is. Sometimes when, when you're too sure about something, for example, and you express it, I'm, I'm sure this is how it's supposed to be, and someone else is doubtful, and they could be offended by how sure you are. But I'm very sure, why shouldn't they be able to say it? You, you could say it, but sometimes when you join someone else's doubts and concerns, and you discuss it, they'll take it better. Or sometimes if you want something, or you're very passionate about something that has to happen, and you present it in a softer way, and you communicate it about it in a way, so what do you mean? But you're not being honest. Sometimes being too honest is also a problem. And it's definitely, this is something that I talk about often. I, I'll mention one more thing, which... I spoke about this in the past, and I saw that uh, more people than I thought would be able to relate to it. Chazal teaches, right? A person is not jealous of his child. You have a child who's a good musician, a big Tamad Chochem, or whatever, someone very successful. Chazal teaches that a person is not jealous of a child. Okay, so there's, there's, different, uh, there's different discussions about how much that's said, and where it's said, and when it's not said, if there's any exception to the rule. But in general, a person has nachas from the fact that his child is even more successful than himself, in, in, in whatever area. When it comes to spouses, I spoke about this a few times already, um, you see it's not always that way. You could see one spouse being jealous of another's um, success, popularity, confidence, or uh, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And sometimes somebody says, well, what do you mean? Why, why, is, why is my spouse jealous? Why is he jealous? Why is he intimidated? Why, is she, uh, why, why doesn't she appreciate it? She should be proud of me. She should... It doesn't always work like that. So if you come home, and, you, and, and if, if at home, in front of your spouse, you're, you're showing off a certain quality or a certain brucha that you have, it could sometimes be intimidating and it could make somebody feel resentful and it could make them look down at you. It could make them find all the problems that you have um, because, you're, because you have so many friends. It's not good to have so many friends. Or it's not good to be so uh, whatever it is. So it's just another idea of Vayuga Shambam Saimaat. Again, I don't think people should be feeling like they're in Gulas at home or they're in Matzrayim or the Koshia Shibbat. I remember once asking somebody how long he's married, and he asked, and he answered me, "Well, with the koish yashibit or without the koish yashibit? How many, how many years should I count it?" Uh, I, I don't think people should be feeling like they're misaim, but there's something about the yugo shem misaim. Or just taking into account that you're not, you're not here by yourself, and you're not here to do things the way you would do it if you were on your own. I think that's just for starters. And with that, let me read a question along similar lines. Dear Rabbi thank you for your excellent lecture, lectures. I enjoy listening to them, and I've gained a lot of insight from them. Okay, thank you. Your recent class on hiding information from your spouse bothered me. While it makes sense to hide little things that a spouse will get annoyed at, I think that that should only apply in situations that are insignificant. Otherwise, who could trust their spouse? However, some of the examples that you gave hint at an unhealthy aspect of a relationship. A husband can't tell his wife that he's fixing his friend's appliance for free. His friend can't tell his wife that he's paying his friend for his work. Unless both families are destitute, maybe someone should speak to the wives about how they should behave. It's not a lechatchila situation. And if the husband splurges on lunch for $100, maybe she'll feel more comfortable splurging on a dress for $100, guilt-free. We all have our, hang- our hang-ups. It seems like the ultimate disrespect of a spouse to assume that they aren't able... It seems like the ultimate disrespect of a spouse to assume that they aren't able to hear another side and come around. Personally, when my husband did something for me, hid something for me that I thought was a big thing, my reaction was, I understand that my view was unfair and put unnecessary pressure on you, but couldn't we have had a conversation? You could have explained that I was unfair, or found someone else who could have done it. Do you think I'm so unworkable? My favorite part of the class was the story of the man who explained to his wife how he'd liked her to react when he tells her things. They probably have a respectful, trusting relationship. The story was thus shalom biased it. Thank you again for your practical, clarity classes that cut to the point with clarity and insight. May Hashem grant you much of and helping people 
and all other aspects. Okay, thank you so much. Let me start with this. I, I've said this in the past, and um, I'm always afraid to say it because it might look like I get defensive when somebody uh, has some critique on something I said, but that, that's not at all my point. I, I wish I could have everyone love everything I say. I wish I could say things only that everyone will nod their heads and say, wow, that's brilliant. Um, first of all, it doesn't work like that in real life. And if I'd be saying something that everything that everyone agrees to, then there would be no point in saying it, obviously. Um, but aside from that, I think people make a mistake sometimes in listening to guidance that they like to listen to, listening to shurim that they like to hear, listening to things that already resonate or they already agree with, and they're basically looking for people to confirm, um, affirm, reaffirm what they already think and hold and know and feel, and they're basically finding the people who present the ideas that, oh, that's what I like. That's what I like, so I'm going to listen to the speaker because he, he says the things I like. Now, my point is not that you should um, listen to people that you don't like or, or, uh, or always be open to new ideas that are exactly the opposite from the way you think. When you, when you listen to someone who speaks about any given topic, whether it's a Torah topic or a Shkofa topic or, or any other topic, a practical topic, by the time you relate to someone and you see, wow, this person saying something and it sounds like he has a lot of experience or knowledge or intellect or whatever it is that he has to offer, the parts that should be the most um, um, appealing to you are the parts that you haven't been aware of till now. In other words, part of trusting a certain mentor or guide or anyone or educator is the fact that they're going to be teaching you something. That's what's most important. Now, I don't know who you are, and you have no obligation at all to listen to me or to, or to let yourself be educated by me. For real. I, I'm, I'm saying this because I don't know who you are. And for all I know, you only, you only heard one or two classes from me or maybe five. No obligation at all. At all, at all, at all. And you can listen only to the parts that you like from what I'm telling you. But I think in general, in life, it's important to find somebody who you're willing to ask questions to and get answers and hear things you don't like to hear and say, wow, it seems that I wasn't um, on the right track. It's okay. We should all, we should all get there. Everyone in their own way. The reason why I'm saying it also is because so often when it comes to therapy and marriage counseling and all kinds of things, and I hear this from people all the time, I went with my spouse for counseling, and we went to this one, and to that one, to that one, and the reason why we went in circles was because every time the marriage counselor, whoever, whoever it was, told my spouse something that my spouse didn't like to hear, excluding all genders, um, um, then we went on to the next person. As long as my spouse was being validated and the person was shaking their head and nodding, so that was good. The second there was work to do and there was some blame to take and there was some whatever, and then there's no good anymore. So what does that say? It's just something important to think. You know? If you're going to someone because you believe that they know what's right and you like when they're shaking their head at you because because now you have an intelligent person saying what's right and it happens to agree with what you... So then, then it comes to the other part, you should also take that seriously. And one of the... One of the one of the benefits of a class, an online class especially, is I'm not talking to anyone in particular. Everyone has the option and the liberty to go home and say, listen, it's not for me. But on the other hand, sometimes it's just easier to accept an idea when nobody's telling it to you in your face and saying, you know what, there's some truth to that. Maybe I really should be doing this a little more. I, I, people tell me all the time that, oh, my, my wife heard your class and gave me this piece, you know, pulled out a piece. I, I like this piece. Listen, listen to what he said over here. This is the part that I'm always trying to get through to you. But what about the other piece? You know, I'm, I'm pretty balanced in my classes and very often in the same class you'll hear something it's just as relevant for you, and I think that's the part that's more important to focus on. Anyway, with all that said, again, I hope this didn't come out as being defensive. All I mean to say is that if you don't like something I said, then for all I know, maybe I'm right and you're not, and maybe the other way around. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm not here to say shiurim that everyone will agree with. I'm happy that I said something and you picked up on the fact that you didn't like it, and consider that maybe there's still some truth to the fact that 
Um, it is, but, but I'll try to explain the point anyway. And again, it's, it's up to anyone to agree or disagree. No obligation. I don't mean to impose my, my opinions on anyone or my, uh, in the way I see these things. It sounds, from what you're saying, um, Mrs. Questioner, a, a, it's a certain emotional argument, first of all, that you're giving me, but also an emotional argument that you're giving your husband. Now, what, what, what am I, why am I calling it an emotional argument? It sounds very logical. Couldn't you have told it to me? You, you could have told it to me, right? Makes sense, right? Nobody's saying, I'm hurt, I'm upset, I'm angry. There's no emotions being expressed over here. It's all logic. Why couldn't you have told it to me? Now, you're assuming the answer might be because you wouldn't have taken it. So why couldn't you find someone else to tell it to me? Okay, that was already a rhetoric. That was already an answer of something that, that was the answer. Okay. What happens is sometimes there are, there are logical arguments that are backed by emotion. Now, I try, to, I try to help people understand all the time that when somebody's speaking by emotion, they're, 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 they're expressing emotion, but they're not saying it in an emotional way. They're saying it in a logical way. So they're coming up with an argument. They're coming up with a, with a reasoning. If you try to explain things, you're not going to get anywhere. You know why? Because they weren't asking from a logical place that the explanation was missing. It wasn't an explanation that was missing. It was the emotion behind the explanation. And whatever you can explain, there's going to be an answer. Yeah, but why? Because of this. But who said? That's how I felt. Because you always feel that way. Right? And you just go in circles. Sometimes you don't realize, and, and, and uh, very often when somebody is asking for an explanation and a discussion and a and a debate, they don't realize that they're not looking for an answer, they're looking for an opportunity to, to express themselves very strongly, and sometimes that's exactly what the other person is not interested in. I don't want to hear you quetch, I don't want to hear you complain. And I know you think that if I would answer you something, that maybe would have resolved it, or if I'd find the right person to explain it to you. Again, if you can't understand it from me, why do you think you'll understand it from someone else? And very often that's, that's where it... Uh, and I'll tell you, people tell me all the time, yeah, so I, I told this to my wife, or I told this to my son, I told this to my daughter... And I don't know, it's just not going... And I said it again and again. I, I must have explained this a thousand times. Why are, you, why are you explaining something a thousand times? When are you going to realize that this is not going anywhere? It's not an explanation that's needed. You already explained it so clearly that, that your, your backyard tree un, would understand it by now. So if it's not going over, it's time to understand that that's not the point anymore. So this is what I tell people often understand, not to um, explain with logic what someone else is expressing an emotion. But what I mean to say now is that sometimes you don't realize yourself that what you think you're asking for is some logic and some understanding and some explanation and it's not what it is. It's not what it is. It's an emotional resistance that, that somebody might feel that they either can't address or don't want to address. Because it's not, it's not what you're saying that you're looking for that you really uh, are looking for. So, so and like I said before, you're saying, why couldn't he find someone to explain to me? Maybe he tried that too, I don't know. I have no more information than I read over here. And sometimes he doesn't want to have to find someone to explain to you because he thinks he understands himself and, and his own explanations. And, uh, and and just another line, which also might sound a little emotional. Again, no, no offense, nothing personal. Do you find me so unworkable that you can't tell me this and this and this? Uh, if, you, if you don't mind my saying so, it sounds like you're projecting on someone else. It's called projecting when you, when you say, so, so you think I'm crazy? Did someone say he thinks you're crazy? No, do you think you're crazy? Very often when somebody feels that they're crazy, they don't want to admit that they feel crazy. So what do they say? You think I'm crazy. You, you think I'm stupid. You, you're making me feel stupid. I'm not making you feel anything. You might feel a certain way. My point is that if you're noticing that your spouse is having a difficulty explaining something to you, and it makes you feel like you might be a bit unworkable, which was your own expression, which I have no reason to think is true, and then you're putting it at someone else, so you think I'm unworkable. He doesn't think you're unworkable. He might not think you're unworkable. He might think you're very workable. He might think he might still feel that in this area is better not to go into a discussion for whatever reason, 
from experience or whatever it is that he doesn't feel he has to or whatever else we'll discuss in a few moments. I was trying to explain that you know, sometimes you throw a term and it makes it sound like that person is, is looking at you that way, which would now make him look bad. Like, so he thinks I'm unworkable. He never said that. He never thought it. He never felt that way. So you have to be careful how you, how you express these kind of arguments which come across a little, a little um, um, emotional. In general, to be black and white and to, and to go from being um, a normal, pleasant, flexible person who your husband feels comfortable discussing anything and everything with you, they're going to be someone who's totally unworkable. You know, it's, it, there's a lot in between. So if somebody doesn't want, doesn't want to share with you a certain piece of information, it doesn't mean that you are or that he feels that you are unworkable, which is a pretty extreme term, which I'm sure you didn't mean it. I'm just pointing it out. Okay. But let, let's, let's discuss the topic of what you called hiding information. Now, again, that's the way you worded it, hiding information, you're not always hiding things as much as you're not, not sharing things. It's, it's, it's a heavy topic, and I discuss it quite a few times. I know that a lot of people don't, don't like what I have to say about this topic, and I'm fine with that. Okay, so whoever has any opinion about what I'm saying now doesn't have to hide it, and you can all share it, and I'm, and I'm, I'm open to it. Interestingly, in preparation for this class, very often I, I get a question, I share, email, I share the question with this person, that person, just to get some perspective of what other people think. And it was interesting that I shared this this week with a friend of mine, a, a rabbi, a mentor, somebody who I trust, um, and he started off telling me that he knows that we have a difference of opinion about this. He does feel that more transparency and openness is important, um, and he knows that I feel that not always is it necessary. And Still, his answer to this question was that, yeah, sometimes people feel um, that it's just not worth going into it. In other words, sometimes you, you do have a piece of information that you could share with somebody, and it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. When I share with you that I spent $50, it's going to turn into a two-hour discussion about why I spent it, and where I spent it, and how I spent it, and how I could have saved it, and it wasn't worth it, and the person didn't deserve it, and how come when she wanted it, and when you want it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. You have to realize that sometimes things could be shared, and maybe even should be shared, and it still just has to be worth it. Certain things just just get too difficult. Now, I've said this often: the idea of not sharing everything, even with a spouse. And I'm not talking about living in privacy and secrecy. We'll talk about that too. But the idea of not sharing everything is well sourced. Is very well sourced. The idea of al that the Nura talks about um, certain things that you shouldn't share because it could be used against you at home. There's nothing, nothing personal to a separate piece of information. Somebody said something to you. It's well-sourced. The idea of You're allowed to change something and say a small lie so as not to um, you know, shuffle the feathers, ruffle the feathers and, and, and cause a, a rift in, in, in Shulam. Where's that said? Only with your neighbor? I, I don't think so. I think that uh, most references of Shulam, Shulam bias and everything else, uh, Shulam bias is one of the extremely important parts of Shulam. And if keeping the peace means that you have to say something that isn't even true. I, I think that's the first place that we would say, I, I do think this is, this is well-sourced and not something that you... Uh... Now, before I go on, I, I want to I I clarify. I want to clarify. I don't think, just from experience, I've spoken about this topic many times, and many people listen to these classes. Okay? I don't think people who really feel comfortable sharing everything stopped sharing information because they heard from me that you don't have to. I, wanna, I wanna explain this. When people feel really comfortable sharing information, they're gonna share information. They don't have to be told that they have to or they, or they don't have to, and it's not gonna affect anything. And I've had people who tell me that they share everything and anything with their spouse, and I never tell them it's a problem. 
if you feel comfortable with that and it works for you and you're doing it for years and it's done with respect and with love and, and willingly, that's the best thing in the world. I'm not saying it's the best thing in the world because everyone has to strive for that necessarily. I mean, Adarab, it's wonderful. Not just that, if you have a sister or a brother who you're very open with, or if a boss has a secretary who they're very open and, and all the computers, all the files, all the numbers are open and nobody ever, or no, nobody ever had to pay the price for that kind of openness, I think it's fine. Not just I think it's fine. I don't think anyone ever, I don't, I don't think anyone who was fine with that ever decided to change things because, oh, you're not supposed to say everything? It's not that you're not supposed to, it's that you don't have to. And sometimes it's not good to. But I, I'm not promoting that people should specifically not share things. I'm just trying to be careful with that. What I'm saying is well-sourced is that not always is it a benefit, and sometimes if it's not a benefit, you shouldn't be doing it. And that's, that's very often um, just the idea of, at the end of the day, why is somebody not comfortable sharing something? And if they're not comfortable, then should they or do they not have to? Or should they actually not? Um, so like I said, some people will have certain struggles or certain difficulties, and it's amazing to see how open they are about it, you know, with people. Just, just, I'm just reminding myself now, for example, last week, um, you know, I have a waiting room in my office where somebody comes, they don't have to bump into each other, and I always try to be respectful of people's privacy and people's feelings, obviously. And every once in a while, by mistake, you know, someone's walking out, another person's walking in, you can't always, you can't always avoid these things. Some people take it very hard, and they can't handle when somebody else knows that they're dealing with something for whatever reason, it looks like they need help. And some other people have no issue with it at all. And to tell all their friends, I went to speak to uh, Rabbi Gruen, and uh, no problem. Everyone has their level of sensitivities. If somebody's fine with something, that's fine. You don't tell them, you know, you should really be ashamed that you have to discuss something with someone. No, not at all. And those who are, you, it's not right or fair to tell them, you, should, you shouldn't be ashamed, and it's okay, I'm allowed to tell everyone that you spoke to me, there's nothing wrong, you have your own complex, your own self-esteem issues. Everyone has their way of dealing with things, and, 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 and all I'm trying to explain is that for some people this is fine, for some people that's fine. So it's not about not being able to or having to. It's something in between. I want to also mention two, two uh, cute anecdotes before I, before I go into anything more detailed. One is a story from the Rav Shtaruf, I heard the story, a story that the Rav Shtaruf used to come home every day after davening, and the Rebbe and his wife used to ask him, so how was the davening? And the Rav Shtaruf always used to say, it was moirdik, ah, moirdik davening, so it's a gedaven, it was, it was gewaldik. And somebody noticed that this is going on every week. So he asked Rav Shtaruf, what's the how come the, how come the Rav always answers the same way, that it was moirdik? It's always moirdik? It was always a, a, such a great davening that you want to be so enthusiastic about it, no ups and downs? And I if it was a good davening, then my wife should also um, um, benefit and have pleasure from it. So I'm coming home, sharing it with her. So more the good davening. If it wasn't a good davening, at least she'll at least she'll have anur from the davening. It wasn't a great davening. I didn't enjoy it, but at least she will. It's just an interesting, uh, cute mass a little. But the point is that you know, why would I why would I say something that's going to hurt someone else's feelings or that someone else won't appreciate? Why? Is there a reason for it? Especially if I come home and say it wasn't a good evening, and the first thing my wife will say, well, I told you you should go to sleep earlier. Oh, so that's all I needed. For the same price, I could have said it was a great davening. She'll be happier, I'll be happier, everyone's happier. So that's just the idea from the officer. But I, I will mention another idea, which I don't know why, whenever I quote Hant Gagadoyim, Gagadoyim and Manigam, I say things anonymously, and I have people reach out to me often. Uh, who is that Google that you quoted? Who is this one that you mentioned the idea from? I have no problem sharing it, but I feel like in public to say something in someone's name that I don't know if they're okay with me saying in public, that's where I, that's where I often say, I, I heard from a, a good be Yisrael, but, uh, but if anyone wants, they could always ask me, and I'm generally okay with, with quoting a source. But when, before I got married, I was a chosen, and I went to a certain Rebbe, and I asked him if he has any advice, after the chastenus, and he told me a lot of ideas, and one of them was, interestingly, um, 
it's always good for a Yingamang to have another place where to lay down. That's what he told me. It's always good. You know, you, you, you're very tired, or you're in coil, for example, right after the house, you're in coil, and you're tired, and you're not in the mood of learning, or you can't learn, whatever. You don't always have to go home to lay down, and your wife has to know that you just slept for two hours. No reason. Or you're very tired in the morning, you can't get up in the morning like a mensch. Get up, go somewhere else, and lay down. It's always good to have a bed somewhere else, because lay down, your wife doesn't always have to know when you're going to sleep. Now, it's just an example, obviously, but basically what he was, what he was telling me, this is a good Luis rule about Samcha, who people respect, he was telling me that, uh, he was telling me in advance. He wasn't waiting for a problem to come up and saying, okay, you don't have to say that piece of information. There's, you're allowed to have your certain privacy that uh, nobody has to know, and he was specifically talking about marriage or true and bias, and it's not always good if your wife is going to have to know everything that you're doing. She might not appreciate certain things, and, and she doesn't have to know about them. So I don't know if between the Rapshat Tzeruv and the Zagudu Bistrol it's becoming clear that, yeah, the, you know, that's how things work in this world. You're, you're definitely living with other people and you don't always have to show off everything and express everything and share everything. It doesn't work like that in real life. And for those who it does work, they're doing it anyway and they're not, they're not waiting to hear that you're not supposed to, like I said. But I do want to break it down a little bit. Um, let's call it, what is it, three, three categories. I'll try to do it a little briefly. Just breaking it down, I, I think that it will make a little more sense when it's broken down to what things um, you don't have to share and why you don't have to share them and maybe everything else should be shared okay there are, there are things that shouldn't be shared again it's all my opinion nothing more there are things that should not be shared there are things that you should not tell someone either because it's going to be hurtful to them or hurtful to you and hurtful I mean hurtful I think the Chavzav always talks about it in other surah the reason why Hashem makes that nobody should be able to see what the other person is thinking it's because it would, be, it would be too hurtful. If you know what I think of you, think of you, and you know my true opinions and feelings about you, you'd be extremely hurt by it, and it obviously would cause a, a rift in the relationship as well, and that wouldn't be good for anyone. So Hashem gave us the privacy of our thoughts because it wouldn't be good to share them. Now imagine if somebody says, I want you to share everything with me. What do you think of me? Tell me the truth. I want to know what you think of me. It's not good for you to know what I think of you. Why? Because I think very highly of you in many areas, and there are certain things I don't think highly of you, and, and you probably won't appreciate it to know that. And it's not good for me to say it. It's not, it's not even good for you to want to know it. Interestingly, when it comes to uh, what people write, for example, I'm just mentioning this, I mentioned this in the past, I think, also. You see what somebody journaled. Somebody wrote a private diary. They're basically jotting down their thoughts. So often, somebody's spying on what someone else wrote, getting offended by the fact that they wrote that, without realizing that they just put on a paper what they're thinking. Now, I don't know if it was a smart idea to write something down that could have been kept up here in private um, and somebody could go find it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging that. But at the end of the day, all they did was jot down their thoughts. Essentially, they're entitled to it. Just remember that. There's another thing about not repeating anything not nice, right? If somebody says not, something not nice about you, to me, and I want to repeat it to you because I want to share everything. I don't want to hide the fact that somebody said something, but I'm hurting your feelings by doing that, then of course it shouldn't be shared. What's the question? Forget about Hilchus Lushen Hara and Rechilis. It should not be shared. That's hurtful to someone. Well, we're not being transparent. That's right, we're not being transparent. And same thing with something that could hurt me. If there's a, a certain problem that I have, a certain deficiency I have, something shameful about me that you're not going to help me with, and you can look down at me for, it's not a question. It's going to hurt me to share it with you. Both it's going to hurt my feelings if I have to share it, and it might hurt our relationship or how you look at me and things like that. It's not a question. There's a reason why the bathroom has a lock. I heard some, excuse my language, I, I usually don't talk this way, but I heard some crazy... Chusen um, Madrich, who was encouraging uh, couples that are just married, there's no kids around, as if the kids are the problem, that you know you don't have to use a lock to the bathroom because there's no privacy with a couple. I mean, what kind of ridiculousness is that? 
there's privacy in life. There's something shameful in life. There are things that, that we're not we're not cows in, in the stall. We're people. So anything about me that's hurtful or shameful, I don't want to share with you. So I, I think that's something that shouldn't that shouldn't be shared. Anything that's going to hurt you or hurt me should not be shared. Then there are things that don't have to be shared. I don't have to share them again because they're, they're because I'm allowed my privacy. Before I was talking about about thoughts, I was talking before about thoughts that are hurtful to someone. Right? If I have bad thoughts about you, I'm th- I think poorly of you. I don't want to have to share that. It's not good for me to share that. What about my private thoughts? What about my doubts? What about my insecurities? What about my phobias? Even if you won't look down at me, just the fact that they're mine means that I'm entitled to keep them up here. They don't have to come out. People who don't have a filter and everything comes out and just keeps on, you know, it's, it's a problem. I'm entitled to that amount of privacy. Not just that, I'm entitled to a certain amount of my, my relationships. Most people, most people, not everyone, and sometimes people will be offended by the fact that it is that way. If I'm on the phone with somebody and nobody's in the room, I'll talk one way. And if somebody else is in the room, I'll talk a different way. Why is that? It's not because I'm a fake and a phony. It's because me and my friend have a certain way we talk. And when I'm talking to him, I talk one way. When I talk to another friend, I talk another way. I talk to my father a third way. Automatically, when I talk to three people at once, I talk a fourth way. I make sure that it's going to be handled by all three people. I'm only sharing certain information that all three could hear. When I'm talking in front of a crowd, I talk another way. That, that's how we human beings are. We take into consideration who's listening. So if I'm talking to my friend and my son is in the room, it's going to be somewhat different of a conversation. If somebody hears a recording of it, or if I hear a recording of it, I might be able to realize that it sounds a drop different than when my son wasn't in the room. I'm a fake person? No. It means that I'm taking into consideration who I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to a friend of mine, and my wife is in the room, and I talk one way, and my wife is not in the room, I talk a different way, I still think that's within the bounds of normal, and I think that everyone's like that, regardless if, if you want to admit it or not. Very often. Very, let's say very often like that. What happens is, if I'm talking to someone, and you're snooping on me, listening in on me, that's not fear. What do you mean? You're pri- what are you telling your friend private? I'm not telling him anything private, but I'm entitled to a certain privacy. I don't have to share with you a certain relationship, a certain attitude, a certain friendship, a certain a certain comfortability, whatever it is that I have when somebody's not listening. So this is not, I don't think this goes into the category of things that are, uh, shouldn't be shared, but it's okay to be a person and have, and have my, my own individual life part, which is not being shared. Imagine if I have to walk around with a recorder. I tell people this example all the time. Uh, you don't want to share, you don't want to hide anything, right? How come when, you, when you're talking to your mother, you go into the room? Now, I'm not encouraging you to go into the room because your wife could be hurt by it. But why? Could I leave a recorder in the kitchen the whole day and come home and listen to all your conversations with your friends? You're okay with that? You might say you are, but I don't think you really are. You know, you know how I know you're not? Because yesterday I left one, and I have all your conversations on recorder. Is that okay? People won't be okay with that. I look at these police officers. I live near a police station, so I walk by a lot of times. They're all wearing this body cam. Okay? The ridiculousness. I understand why it's needed and necessary, and I'm not trusting these police officers. Don't worry. My point just, we put the body cam on the police. Right? So you have Black Lives Matter, you have, have Mishagul and Schwarz is roaming the streets, no body cam. They can do and say whatever they want. We have to find a surveillance camera from some store who could barely identify what happened, somebody beating someone up in the street. Right? We don't put body cams on people. But the police officer in New York's finest, they need a body cam, we don't trust them. Something's very, very funny. Either we put body cams on everyone, so that we could, we could, you know, we could uh, have what happened, we could, we could investigate properly, or we don't put on anyone, but to, to only have the police afraid of what he's going to do and the criminal's not, there's something very crazy about that. My point is just that I think people understand there's a certain amount of privacy that people are entitled to have. Not everything has to be shared. In other words, it's not because it's hurtful, it's, not be, it's because that's what, that's what individual life is about. So that's the, for, Then there's the third thing, which I think is just called the unnecessary, which um, things that you're just not 
obligated to share, and it's okay. Some people like sharing certain things. Some people don't like sharing certain things. Some people feel it's important. Some people not. But when everything becomes an issue, why didn't you tell me? You met your cousin. Why didn't you tell me? I can't. I, you don't tell me. It wasn't necessary. There's nothing. I, I would have told you if I would have thought that you want to know. You would have asked me. Of course, I would have told you. I had to hear back from my cousin's wife that you met your. I understand. I, I don't. I, I just didn't feel it was necessary. So we're not going into detail about that. Um, I think that between the things that is is not good and should not be shared. And the things that you really don't have to share if you don't want to know, and the things that's just not necessary to share, even with your closest person and your spouse, there are things that you might not want to share. Now you can have different opinions about this, which is also fine. But I think there are things that are that are okay. Um, just one more idea, which comes up often, is, is the idea of therapy, where somebody goes for help, and I ask people one of the first questions I ask people when people come to talk to me: Does your wife know you're here? Now some people get intimidated. I was going to tell her maybe later. I w- you don't have to get defensive. I was just asking because it's it's an important piece of information for me to know. I didn't mean I, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not accusing you of going behind their back. I'm just trying to figure out based on this question, you know, different uh, things that that might be relevant. But I I didn't say you have to tell her before you go. So much she's not your mommy. Um, and then a lot of people have this issue. Well, I did tell her I'm going. She wants to know what we spoke about. What should I tell her? She's saying it's not enough. We spoke for an hour. I only told her ten minutes. But what's this thing? Why can't someone have their right to a certain amount of privacy? Like I said before, when it comes to uh, anyway, when it comes to money, when it comes to other things, there, there's a certain amount of, of normal privacy. Normal privacy. Now, there's another 85 percent of a person's life. 85 percent is a lot that you could share, and you should share, and you're encouraged to share. And if you're not sharing that, we have to wonder why. If it's not from the things that that you shouldn't share or things you don't have to share, how come you're not sharing more? How come you're not being expressive more? There's definitely other extremes which are definitely unhealthy. You're married. You should be open. You should you should be comfortable. It's not just a roommate. It's not someone you met yesterday. You married for a couple of years. We should know each other better. We should know each other like. You know, there definitely should be. You shouldn't just be talking about uh, Putin and, and Trump and everything else. There are relationships like that, not not with husband and wife. I'm saying with friends. With you know, you talk about everything else, just not just not us. Of course, you should be open. But when certain things are hidden, it's always important to remember why is it being hidden, and is it something that's allowed to be hidden? What you're calling it hidden or not shared? And I think it's it's relatively okay. There's also often a double standard which people don't realize. Um, I want to see your phone. So again, this is just an example. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. I want to see your phone. I want to see all your contacts, and all your texts, and all your WhatsApps, and everything you told anyone today. I, I want to see it all. Why are you hiding it from me? Again, I'm not hiding it from you. This is I- I'm entitled to a certain amount of communication. I don't need you snooping on. Now, interestingly, a lot of people who are demanding someone else's phone or someone else's, going through someone else's pockets, for that matter, will be horrified if somebody does the same thing to them. I've seen this many times. I'm a double standard. I want to say everything you do. I want access to all your... Are you, are you giving me access to everything about you as well? You're letting me put a recorder and a camera in the kitchen a whole day because you want access to my computer? Again, there's always the extremes and there's always the unhealthy, but just think about it. The double standard. Now, some people will say, no, no double standard. You could you could look at my text. You could look at my phone. I want to look at yours. One of the reasons why you're okay with showing it is because there's, there's, there's a, a default double standard, which means if you dare ask me why I told my friend something, I'll get upset at you, and I'll tell you it's none of your business, and I'll be obnoxious about it, and I'll, and, and I'll tell you, if you ever ask me another question, I'm not going to show it you. Oh, that's why you're okay with me looking. Oh, that's why you're okay with me telling me, uh, you're okay telling me that you spent $100, because if I dare ask you why, you're going you're to throw a tantrum. right? But when I tell you I spent $100, and you ask me why, I'm not going to throw a tantrum. I'll just get intimidated, and you're going to be upset at me. So by default, there's a double standard already. So the fact that you shared certain things with me doesn't mean that I don't have, that I should feel comfortable sharing with you. And again, the same thing with, with money. 
you know, if, again, if you have your own guilt issues, that could be your own thing, your own projecting. Maybe your husband's fine with you spending hundred dollars. You know, I don't want to go into all the all the nitty gritty and all the details and all the implications of this topic. Um, I'm just trying to clarify that there's a certain amount of individuality and a certain amount of comfort and a certain amount of privacy that some people need, and some people got used to um, realizing that that's what they have to do in order to feel comfortable and shouldn't be used against people. I think if somebody's not sharing something with you, the first thing you want to do is aside from thinking through, is it okay if this information is being held from me? Or do I understand why this person is entitled to, to withhold and not share, not be forthcoming at least with this information? Um, that's first of all. Second of all, could it be that he tried sharing these things in the past and didn't fly well? So instead of saying, well, we could have explained it more, he didn't want to have to explain it more. He wants to feel comfortable. He wants to be able to say something and get a smile and say, wow, I'm so happy for you. He wants to get what you get maybe. Or maybe not. Again, not, nothing personal. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't mean anything. I'm saying it's very important to realize. Aside from the whole idea of money issues, if somebody's a husband and a man and, and, and the breadwinner and he spent $100 and it's his money, people don't like to hear that. And when she's spending $100 and not knowing how to say please and thank you, when she's spending his money, it's a separate discussion. Now, a few, a few very important points. The, the first one, accountability. It's not a toiva for anyone to live a private and hidden life. We all need accountability. Anyone who wants to um, see their spouses, again, it's a husband, wife, I don't see there be a big difference. Anyone who wants to see their husband's phone and computer and, and whatever else, because it's not good for somebody to, to not have any accountability, is 100% right. It's not good for somebody to, have their own, their, their own, to be on their own. It's not good for somebody to live on their own. It's not good for somebody to have too, too much of a private life. Not a question, not a question. Without going into the details, it's rather terrible if somebody is doing their own thing with no accountability. And that's why, if you feel that your spouse or whoever it is, a child or anyone, needs to have more accountability and somebody should be able to see what they're doing and make sure they're not doing anything wrong, it doesn't necessarily have to be you. You could discuss that respectfully. I'll feel much more comfortable if I know that somebody's on top of this. I've seen extreme situations where people were doing things both Yiddishkeit, that weren't uh, proper and both when it comes to money and other things being extremely irresponsible and saying well it's not your business don't look, don't, don't look after me okay I won't look after you and I have to trust you and it's good that you feel trusted can we please discuss who I could turn to that could, you could be in contact with that will make sure that things are being done the right way it's a certain comfort level which I think people are supposed to have and it's a certain security for you to have somebody looking over your shoulder one of the best filters when it comes to the internet Right, the whole filter topic. Should we rely on filters? Could we rely on filters? Everyone has a way around the filters. It's a, it's a big topic. One of the... And, and, and even when a filter doesn't let something through, the fact that somebody searched for something, whatever it was, or having a web cover or having somebody watching you or being accountable to someone is more boost of a down. That's a wonderful thing. So anyone who feels that for whatever reason not sharing information could sometimes uh, cause a problem, it's true. It really could cause a problem. And it's good for everyone on either side of this of discussion to be accountable to someone. So while I don't think that total transparency is needed, and sometimes total transparency is not even good, um, on the other hand, the other extreme is definitely not good. That wasn't the topic of our discussion today. But if anyone is hiding too much and there's too little being shared and everything's under wraps and nothing can be discussed, and when someone asks you a question, you get you get all defensive and everything is, is hidden, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a problem. It shows that there's a problem and, there's a pro- and it has to be addressed and it has to be discussed. But the fact that somebody's not comfortable sharing something sometimes just has to do with the fact that they're just not comfortable. And it's important to understand that. 
Um, recently, I spoke to somebody who made a major transaction uh, behind his wife's back. It wasn't it wasn't a great thing to do. You're talking about something major, a lot of money. And I said, why did you do it? And he discussed, listen, I went for guidance. I knew that it wouldn't fly. I made sure that it was the right thing to do. I made sure I was doing it responsibly. I asked and got clear guidance and that I'm, that I'm not doing the wrong thing. And I did it in a responsible way that she wouldn't find out. The fact that she won't handle something doesn't mean that I'm really bound by that. Again, he asked. I'm not answering this question in public and I'm not talking about the details of what happened. On the other hand, somebody tells me that he was living in fear for a long time. He wasn't sharing things with his wife because he didn't, because she wasn't handling it. He decided one day, I'm not going to live in fear anymore. This is, not, this is not for me. He started sharing everything. I'm doing this. I did that. I plan on going here. I'm doing that. I'm not living in fear anymore. Uh, I don't know if you can imagine, but it didn't need to fly well. It didn't fly well. It didn't go over. There's not... Yeah, there's definitely extremes and everything has to be taken into account. Um, two ending points. One is, I always like talking about communication. I do believe with the right amount of guidance, with the right amount of contemplation, and, and, and just thinking something through properly, almost everything could be shared. Believe it or not, after all that, almost everything could be shared. Not everything, but almost everything could be shared. When the timing is right, it's not challenging right now, and the tone is right, and the way you're expressing it is right, and the way you're addressing it is right, and the, and the way you're bringing it up is right, almost everything could be shared. Not everything has to be shared, even, even though everything could be shared. What I mean to say is that sometimes people share things the wrong way, and that's why they get the wrong feedback, and that's why they decide that it's better not to share something. It doesn't have to be that way. When I asked my wife if I can go somewhere, she told me no. So I'm not asking her. Okay, you asked your wife, which is your mommy? No, sometimes I cannot ask her anymore. But why don't you tell her you're going? Other times, some people say, well, when I told my wife I'm going somewhere, she got very upset. Why did you tell her you're going? Why didn't you ask her? Some people, it works to ask. Some people, it works to tell. Some people, neither of them work. When I ask her, she says no. When I tell her, she gets offended that I already decided. Okay, there's a third way of doing it too. You can tell her, I'd really like to go somewhere. And then it turns into a discussion. If she says, I don't let you, tell her why. I didn't ask your permission, but I'm thinking of it. And slowly you see if she'll be able to handle it, and when she'll handle it, and when it will be best for her. And with the right amount, all I mean to say is that a lot more could be shared than you think. So demanding that someone share something with you when you're reacting in a way that makes it very difficult to share it, they don't have to. And there are other things that don't have to be and shouldn't even be shared. And then there are other things that could be if only presented properly, and that's more of a communication discussion for those who want to share something and just don't know how, or those who think that they can't, and it's important to realize that, that you could. I'll end with one very sensitive piece, and that is that sometimes it's crucial to snoop on someone. I had quite a few situations already where people were telling me um, certain red flags. Not many, not many situations. This is definitely an exception to the rule. People were telling me, you know, I'm noticing this lately, but I was told it's, I'm not supposed to look after my spouse, I'm not supposed to this. I'm just burying my head in the sand, basically. Again, based on what you just told me, you're dealing with a very serious situation. I think it's time to, to do something about it. I'm not going to go into detail what you're supposed to do. My point is just that sometimes allowing someone to have too much space and too much privacy... It's not good. It's not good for you. You're not supposed to allow it even. Forget about what they should be doing. If you're noticing something very dangerous has to be addressed, how could you not? It's part of caring for someone. It's part of caring for yourself. It's part of making sure people are safe and doing the right thing. But that's an exception to the rule. It's an exception to the rule. To keep on looking after someone and keep on snooping and keep on, on, on demanding information because you can't handle that somebody knows something that you don't know or being offended by the fact that they're not really ready to share everything with you, that's, that's the part where I stand my ground and I hope that uh, the way I broke it down just makes it a little more sensible. Like I started off with, and I mean it. Nobody has to agree with me. I know that this is a sensitive topic. I know that 
people like making believe that when it comes to marriage, we're one, which is an old mistake, we're not one, we're two people that are happily married and united. Um, but whoever doesn't like that, go ahead, share everything, and demand that everything be shared, and if it works for you, that's great. And if it doesn't work for you, then maybe it's time to reconsider. So I hope that with the right amount of communication, the right amount of space and respect and consideration for each other's individuality and privacy, we'll be able to live together happily. But have a good